You feeling ready? I'm ready. All right, we're <laughs> going to start recording in three, two. Hey, everybody. I'm Naomi Sedani, and I'm the founder of Little Denty Pediatric Dentistry here in Darien, Connecticut. Come join me along for the ride and see how it unfolds. This is the making of Little Denty. Naomi, talk to us a little bit about before we jump into all these questions about your vision, because this episode's all about your vision. Talk to me and tell me a little bit about your past, your present. Why Little Denty? Ah, love those. Um, past, grew up in Pennsylvania in a rural part, like out there. And both of my parents were physicians, love living out there, but wanted to escape to a city the moment I was allowed to get out for college. And I think I've just been city hopping across the Northeast, like ever since then. I went from Boston to New York to Philly, back to New York. And I just haven't left New York like since then. Just like love it out here. And I just love the Northeast. So don't see myself like anywhere else, which is why Connecticut kind of was like the right place for me to open up Little Denty. And I'm super pumped about it. Nice. So let's rewind even more. Have you always wanted to start your own place? No. Actually, like very much not so. With that being said, I don't think I knew any better growing up. So a big reason why I went into dentistry in the first place was because of my parents. Um, They're both physicians. Like I, most of my extended family is also in healthcare. So the idea of patient care and just like taking care of someone has always just been a big part of my life growing up. But I just really, really hated the lifestyle of a physician. Um, And it just like wasn't for me. And it was in dentistry that I found like a really good balance between like life, personal life, being able to treat people the way that I want to treat them. And it's kind of why I really went down that avenue. My parents, though, owned their own practices and they loved it. And most of my extended family who was all in healthcare also owned their own practices and they loved it. And they would tell the stories about how they did X, Y, Z. And that was always very motivating, but it was also a norm for me. I didn't really know healthcare in any other sort of way. But then when I went through dental school and training and all of that, that's when I discovered that's not really the norm. And I think after going through all the schooling and training and everything that we have to do, I was so over the idea of having to own my own business. I wanted to almost be free and like experience life because school just took over for so many years. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of owning a practice almost felt like I was settling and I was going to be stuck. So kind of took advantage of like my time after graduating and like would travel as much as possible, go do the things I just wasn't able to do, you know, while I was in school. And then I think once I got that out of my system, I was like, okay, like now it's time to like, you know, focus like a little bit. I actually want to practice because I was doing so many different part-time associate jobs and I loved it. Like, don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved it. I learned a lot. I loved the patients I treated, the coworkers I've met and just like people along the way. But there was something like internally that I just felt that I was like really missing out on and being able to provide care in the way that like I personally wanted to provide care. And so I kind of went back down to my roots and started to play with that idea of opening up a practice. It did take me though, like almost a year to really like commit to the idea Um, I wanted to make sure that I 100% was going to go into it. And when I dipped my toes into it, when I found the right place, it was just like, go ahead, we're going to go forward with it. And looking back on it, I don't regret the journey of getting here. And you're where at right now? 
Um, currently, I'm living in Brooklyn, but I'm opening up my practice in Connecticut. Anyone who's not in the Northeast, like that just sounds like I'm like state hopping and like, how do you even do that? But where I live is only an hour commute from the office and I'm planning on eventually moving out to Connecticut. But in New York City, like a commute, like on a subway to like my jobs is already like 45 minutes. So it's really not that big of a difference. But like right now, that's location. Where are you at, I guess, in the process of your startup? We are seven weeks from opening and the build out should be done by the end of this month. So in a couple of weeks, which is like so wild. We've been, I think the build out like really officially has been going on since May. So, yeah, yeah, it's been a very, very long journey, like with so many delays and like all that stuff from like shipping suppliers, like all of that fun stuff that comes with the build out. So the process started when? Oh, gosh, I think really when I started looking and I started trying to find a location, September 2021, October 2021. So it's been going on for like a while. Yeah. Man, it's been yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So rewind a little bit. You said you wanted to escape to a city back then. So you went city hopping and New York was the one where you're like, this is it. Yeah. I think like in New York City, I mean, everyone talks about it, right? Like it has so much to offer and stuff, but mm-hmm. growing up only 90 minutes from it, so many of my friends and family had like moved out there that I really got to explore it, not as like a tourist initially. So it became a place that just felt like home. We would go there for like Broadway shows over the holidays and everything. And it was just always the dream to kind of like live out here. And then I didn't really have a choice when I got into residency out here. So I was kind of forced to live here. And once I was forced to do that, I just haven't like really looked back. Yeah, you really enjoy it. I hear two things about the East Coast versus the West Coast. Kind of like in the East Coast, they're really mean, but they'll actually do things for you. Like, what the heck? You got a freaking flat tire. Go. What are you doing? You're doing it wrong. Let me do it for you. Right. And the West Coast is more like, I'm so sorry you got a flat tire, but they won't do anything. They just have like that, <laughs> that type of empathy. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Is that true? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This going here has an attitude and they're like, God, I'll do it for you. Jeez. Like, blah, 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 blah. Like complaining the entire time. But at least it gets done. I go travel out like to California. I mean, people are so nice. And I'm like, oh, wow, like people like this exist. But I'm like, okay, nothing's getting done. You guys are way too lax. Like I need to hop on back onto the plane. Yeah, you're way too lax. (laughs) Okay. And then you mentioned that you hated the lifestyle of a physician. How old were you when you realized that? Oh, I was so young. So my parents came from India. And when they had to do that, my dad had to come first by himself for three years before he had enough money to bring my mom across. And they made that decision um, that they would let him pursue his medical career first, put my mom's on the back end. And then when he finally like found a job, which was in the Poconos, that's when my mom would then move forward with her career. So I, at that time, when my mom decided to pursue her career, I think I was like Montessori age and she didn't really come back from her residency training, which was in a different state. Um, until about like somewhere between like fifth to seventh grade, I forget the exact timeline. So it was like many years, like when I was younger. And I think it just affected me. I was the oldest child. I only had like my dad. I had a younger sister and a nanny. And I would always see like the kids around me who had like the moms coming to brownies or going on the trips or their parents just being involved. But my dad couldn't even really be involved in my day-to-day life because he was so busy trying to like support all of us. And I don't blame him for that, but I just knew that that wasn't really what I wanted to do for my own future family. How do you feel like that's affected you now? 
I think I really value my personal life and my work life. And I think that they're actually very married together. Um, You know, in pediatric dentistry, we have to give, give, give like so much. Each kid, we have to show up with a smile on her face. And I think just dentists overall, like we can't show that we're having a crappy day. We have to like be there in the room, smile. We can't just like be sitting there like grumpy frowning. And it really does take a lot out of you. But like when your personal life, you don't really have one or you're giving too much to your work life and that balance isn't there, I think it can really, really affect your mental health. And so I think having my own life and making sure I make that a priority as well as also having like my career, I think that it's so important to like marry those two lives together. And I just don't think you can really do that so much as a physician, especially when it's like a hospital controlling your schedule. Yeah, that's true. I know like, um, you're right. You do have to kind of like marry them. But as far as like you kind of live that lifestyle, like for example, we have, we've documented a lot of people. We, we've, we've seen a lot of people who have mom guilt, right? Mm. Where it's kind of like, man, like you start your practice, but you're also raising your child and they're maybe like one year old or not even one. And then it's, it's you know, it's all like it's growing, 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 but you're never there kind of, or maybe you feel like you're never there. Is that how you felt? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I was that kid, right? Mm-hmm. Where my parents had to put their career first. I don't think I cared so much if like they weren't there at home, but I like knew that they were physically going to be coming home at some point. But my mom was like in a whole different state. I saw her once every few months for mm-hmm. a weekend. So it was just like a whole different ball game compared to like maybe someone who's like mom is building out their own personal office. Because when my mom did come back from residency, she was also a businesswoman. She started her own practice from scratch. She wasn't associated with the hospital. And I saw the sacrifices that she had to make on that front, but she still came home. She still like was a part of our lives on a day to day. And it might not have been like that same, the mom that might be like there 24 seven, but she was still there. And I think just having that stark difference for me personally, I appreciated the fact that she was just like there for dinners and like weekends and all that stuff. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Looking at it now, though, what I guess not negative, but like, where do you feel like maybe it's a little bit on the bad side or not so good side, the effects of of that, if any? You mean like what I went through, Mm -hmm. like when I was younger? um, Compared to like now, like I've grown up and this is how I see things. Back when I was a kid, I was so, I don't want to use the word angry. I I think that's a little bit aggressive, but I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think now that I'm in this position and I personally don't have kids right now, I can't even imagine making all these sacrifices, also knowing I had like younger ones, it was going to affect. So I think I have a whole new level of respect for what my parents had decided to do. And it probably was not an easy decision on them. But I am also grateful that right now I'm in a position that I don't have to be thinking about someone else. And I can kind of make moves right now that are going to be good for me and like hopefully future lives that are involved. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's good. So then fast forward a little bit more. You said your parents own their own practice. Mm -hmm. How was that as like a child? Were you ever like, oh, man, this is cool. We we have our own place or anything or no? You were just kind of. Well, it was actually a really interesting. um, I don't think this is the norm by any means, but my mom's a pediatrician in internal care. My dad's a pulmonologist in critical care. Um, My mom was full time in her office and my dad was like full time also, but he was also working at the hospital. Everything was just like kind of chaotic for him. However, they shared the same office space. So like 
they had the same like front desk area. They had the same lunchroom. They had like their own exam rooms, but their offices were like in the exact same physical space. So it was just like an interesting dynamic Mm -hmm. to like kind of grow up in. Like when I was going to see mom at work, I was also going to see dad at work. Um, But it was kind of cool. With that being said, I would have to like go to their office to do like little mundane tasks to get like my allowances. So back then we didn't have like, you know, electronic records. So you're like turning that wheel to like put those files in, (laughs) like all this stuff. But my mom, I think really had a big influence on me loving to work with kids because she was a pediatrician. And I think I was just exposed to it at such a young age. And they were always like so much fun versus like my dad's patients who were like older geriatric. And I was like, oh, not into this. I'm more into the kids. <laughs> is that like, why you think maybe you went into pediatrics? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly why? I, I don't think it's the full reason, but I think it's 100% why I was very, very open to it. Um, when I went into dental school, I'm like, I didn't really want to go into it like biased. I was like, who knows? Maybe I'll like root canals. Definitely didn't. But like, you know, you never know. (laughs) I just naturally gravitated more towards the kids. And I definitely give that to like credit to my mom. I think I was just like very, very comfortable in that environment. So props to mom. Do you feel like when you're working with children, you're more like on the parents where you're like, I have sympathy for the parents, empathy for the parents. Or more for the child? Child. I think the child, it's actually like very interesting, like in peace, because you're, you're not just having one patient really in the back. You have the kid plus mm-hmm. their family there. So you're almost like not just dealing with the kid, trying to be empathetic with what they're going through, you know, the scariness of everything that's new to them. But then you're also dealing with the parents who sometimes have guilt, who sometimes are like, what did I do? Why am I putting my child through this? So you're almost having to have like two relationships going on in that room. But I think that I act out of empathy for the kid a lot more. And then I handle the parent a little bit later because at the end of the day, it's about the experience for the kid, right? That's mm-hmm. who I'm there to take care of. And that's who I enjoy talking to. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, that's really good. That's, uh, that's interesting. Like, because I would feel like, oh my God, the parents looking at me, if this kid, if you don't shut up, they're going to think I'm doing something wrong to you right now. You know what I mean? It's it's interesting to to take care of the kid first because I would feel like the parents always like judging. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you 100%. You. But I think like that's, I think it's why like communication is like such an important thing and why that cleaning or that recall appointment is also so important. I think the cleaning recall appointment is like the time that you have to like maybe connect with the kid really quickly and like get them excited for that next appointment, which you're going to be focusing on them with. Um, But it's also the time to like really have those conversations with the parents while their kids like watching TV or like, you know, not having anything like invasive going on. And so that when they come for that next appointment, they're a lot not removed, but they're kind of like a little bit more comfortable and let you do what you have to do with the kid. So I think it's just a matter of like how you approach things, but I kind of like using the cleaning appointments to connect with the parents and then the op appointments to like connect with the kids. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome. And then fast forward a little bit more. You were totally over owning your own business, right? Your own practice. And you traveled as much as possible. Yes. So like, if you were to give me a timeline, like I traveled this many days or this many months all in all together, how many was that? I think I was trying to travel every four to six weeks. Oh, nine. Okay. In, yeah. in the States or outside or anywhere? Anywhere. Like, I think it it just sort of like mattered a little bit, but I was definitely trying to take more advantage of like the international trips. Yeah. Um, You know, being on the East Coast, it's so easy to hop on over to like Europe and all that stuff, or like even just fly down to like the islands um, in the Caribbeans and everything like that. So I just tried to take advantage of those times. Like there would be times that 
I don't know, just hop into London for 48 hours if you really wanted to, and then just like come right back and it'd be cheaper than a flight to California. So it was, yeah, it was easier for me to do that. I just never, you know, like when you're in dental school, you have tests, you can't just like go away. In residency, you have, at least in my residency, you had to give your vacation days like a year in advance, which is just like wild. So I was just like, you know what? This is the first time I have control over my schedule. Worked hard for those like three, three and a half weeks and then like took a few days. But it kind of made work more enjoyable, always having something to look forward to. That's interesting. When you were traveling, I feel like once you travel, like, you know what I mean? You're you're traveling, you're doing a lot. You start sparking more of your creative side, right? And you're like, okay, I'm I'm getting an urge to kind of like not just create something, but you're starting to come up with ideas for what you want to create. When did that hit you? I think it hit me probably one of my first international trips when I got into residency, which was 2017. It was Portugal. And I I think I'll always come back to Portugal just because I think I just have like such a foundation there from like this moment that you're talking about to all my like future travels there. Um, I think it was just the first time that like I saw a place and I was inspired. Normally, like at that point when I was like traveling and even like travels like after that particular trip, I was always like, oh, yeah, cool. I got to go see it. Like London, for example, like going there, just having a great time, thought it was beautiful. But I never felt like, oh, my gosh, I wanted to be able to recreate something. Whoa, I'm inspired by the architecture or like anything like that. I just had a whole different experience when I entered Portugal. I think it was the moment I stepped off and entered Lisbon. I was just like, what is this place? I love the texture. I love the architecture. And I think it was the first time in a very long time that I was curious to deep dive into something. You know, I've always been into um, interior design, photography as like side things, like when I was going through like my training school. But Portugal just forced me to like actually want to learn more about those like things a little bit more. Were you ever like in Portugal, like, I can live here. I can oh, live here. 100%. Like, I Googled, can I become a dentist in Portugal? And the unfortunate <laughs> answer is no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I have to go back through dental school. And I was like, okay, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, I'm over that. Interesting. So then you started, you said you kind of started getting your creative side around that time. You you have other things going on, right? Um, Business-wise. Like yeah, so I... Back in, when was it, 2019-ish, 2020, I kind of got the idea of like playing around with oral care, branding, and all that stuff. I don't know what exactly triggered the branding aspect of things, but at that point, I was getting more into like my own personal interior design style and all that stuff. And I just was like very bored by the bathroom. Like I was just struggling with it like so much. And in terms of like oral care, I was so over the toothbrushes that were offered at that time. Um, The plastic things, Quip. There wasn't anything that like blended both like sustainability along with good design, along with um, good oral care. A lot of like the oral care products, as like most dentists know, have been started by like PE companies. And so I was like, huh, I wonder if there's a little, you know, space for something different. So I entered the world of researching like how to create like a toothbrush that was like a system um kind of like a Dyson in a way where you just keep changing like the brush heads for each part of like your oral care the brush head plus the tongue scraper plus like a floss pick all of those sort of things and it was really meant for fun probably the most creative I felt I felt a spark in me that I hadn't felt in like a long time Mm -hmm. and it's where Denti was actually formed and that once again the word came from Portugal 
the textures, textiles, design all came like from Portugal and Florence. But it was such a cool experience to kind of go through that. Unfortunately, though, COVID happened. And all these ideas of who I was going to be manufacturing with, who I was going to try to like pitch this idea to, to try to get investors in. It was all just because of everything going on. And the problem also in oral care is that a lot of this is done abroad. Nothing is done really in the U.S. There's just like a few bristling sites in the U.S. Most of it's done over in like Germany and China. So I had to pause that, but I never paused the branding and creative aspect of it. So I just kept it like exploring it, expanding it, like trying to learn like a little bit more about it. And that was also around the time, like later on that year that I was open to the idea of opening up an office. And that's when I blended Denti into Little Denti. Okay. So Denti, the brand, right? Mm-hmm. Two brushes and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, did that ever blow up or no? Or it, it had a moment, actually. I was like a little bit surprised. Um, it picked up like a couple of influencers. Like, so we basically, because of... The original idea not being able to pan out because of COVID, we switched on over to, I don't know why I'm saying we, it's me, switched on over to like a replaceable head bamboo toothbrush. And I played with the design packaging and all that stuff just to kind of figure out that world because that's just something like we would never get exposed to in dental school or anything like that in life. Um, And some influencers like picked it up for like their wedding gift bags and like all that stuff, got a bunch of like orders through there. I also did like a toothbrush cleaning spray. I'm like a little bit type A about, or maybe I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. Like when it comes to that stuff, like I just think it's nasty with the toothbrush, like sitting in the bathroom next to a toilet, like stored away. So I usually clean my toothbrush, had no idea other people didn't do it, created like really cool packaging for um, a toothbrush cleaning spray. And it just like had picked up. And then when I decided to move forward with Little Denti, I paused it because I do plan on bringing Denti into Little Denti. That would be like, you know what I mean? The ultimate, (laughs) that would be awesome. You know what I mean? To to kind of do that. Awesome. All right. So we kind of got the backstory of your whole, not just your vision, but like who you are, right? So like, let's dive into the vision of Little Denti. Is it Little Denti or Little Denti? I say Little Denti. I think like the moment I say chi, people are like, huh? (laughs) So (laughs) Denti it is. (laughs) In, I guess it's Portuguese, right? Portugal, Portuguese. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Portuguese, Mm -hmm. is it Denti? Yeah. Little Denti. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I was watching the other day, uh, Somebody Feed Phil. Have you ever seen that show? Yes. On Netflix? Okay. Lisbon's on there. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, no, he's talking about, and he said the same thing where he's like, I can see myself living here. And yeah. Like, Man, it must be amazing there. And anyone that I brought over there, they have become like Portugal lovers. So just saying. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So the vision of Little Denti. What is your yeah. vision for your startup? Um, you know, when I kind of went through the process, it was actually like a really big part of like, why did I want to open up the practice? I didn't want to just open something up just for the sake of doing dentistry and like my own like rentable space. For me, it really came down to the experience that I wanted to offer. Um, you know, when I was in my associate jobs, me, coworkers, like everyone there was doing a stellar job with the clinical side of things. No one was trying to like make money just for the sake of it. People were like very, very good about like what they were offering. And I 100% respected that. And I think that's just something that most pediatric dentist offices do try to do. However, I think the experience side of pediatric dentistry hasn't really been explored too much. And I think it's mostly about what interactions can I have with the patient from the moment that they enter the door and leave the practice that can make this feel like a safe, comfortable home for them and their families. 
And that was the avenue I took with Little Denti. So everything from like the moment that you enter, from the interactions that you have with the practice, even before you enter, the interactions you have after all of that is meant to create this safe, comfortable like home for you. And that was something I really, really wanted to create almost like a new standard in pediatric dentistry. Uh-huh. Okay. And so you yeah. wanted to call it Lil Dental. Lil. Yeah. Okay. I think, you know, at the end of the day, this is me. Naomi is behind Little Denty. What is Little Denty? And I wanted to tell the community, hey, this is me. This is my backstory. My Portugal story is not probably going to be the pediatric dentist that's down the street story. So I want people to be able to get to know me and know why this like brand exists and like why I'm creating it and want them to come to me. So I thought it was important not to just do something with smiles in the name or do something like that. For me, like there's a reason I called it Denti. Little yeah. tooth. I like it. It's super different. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of like my kids smile or something like that. But yeah, exactly. What is it like kids smile like with a Z like that's done like everywhere? I, I don't know. How are you supposed to stand out if you you're a unique individual? Put that in the name, put that in the branding, put you into it. And I think like that alone is just going to start unraveling some really, really cool ideas. Yeah. How does, so that's the vision for your practice. Mm -hmm. What about, like, if we look at the end product, how does your life and your, like your personal life and your practice look? If you were to be like, this is exactly how I want it to look, how's it looking? Oh, man. You know, I, I think like that finished vision is like always evolving. There's that short-term aspect. I know I'm going to have like this many days open and it's going to be this sort of schedule or like this many ops. And so I have those like sort of short-term goals. But I think in terms of like balancing me and the practice, I would love to be able to work maybe three days a week and then work on Little Denty two days a week. That ideally would be what I would love to do. Um, Obviously, like hopefully I can make that happen. I would need to bring probably other people on board to do that. Yeah. But um, for me, having that balance would mean a lot because little Denty at the end of the day is coming from me and like who I am. And if I'm not able to like give the time and the energy to make sure I'm like building it out, being creative, being innovative, I don't know how little Denty will ever make those steps forward to finally get to that finished vision. Okay, that's going to be good then. Yeah, three days. Of, yeah. Do you plan to see it? Like I would love to have more than one location. You know, I've actually thought about this like quite a bit because as you're going through like this process, everything is about like, what's your 10-year goal? What's your 15-year goal? Like 30-year goal? Like with the practice? Um, I'm not sure. I I genuinely am not sure. I think that I'm trying to build a brand. I'm not trying to build like a mini DSO. I'm not like trying to do any of that. But the experience aspect of this is like really, really important to me. Everyone kind of getting the same experience. If I'm not able to do that in a different location and that would suffer, then I would not want to open up that second location. But if I'm able to replicate it, if I'm able to really offer just as good of a job, then I'm open to the idea of it. Yeah. In like about two years, you'll know. Like a year or less, maybe. You'll be like, yeah, I want 30. No. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. Okay. So then before you started this, how well did you think you handled struggles? Oh, um, oh man, that's like such a... Deep question. Okay, I think probably when I was a student, college, master's, dental school, all of that, I don't, I think like things were constantly stressful that I never really got the time to really like figure out how to work through it. It was just constantly, let me put out this fire, let me put out this fire. But I think one thing I really learned after graduating um, was patience. And I know that sounds like so silly, but everything I used to do was like very reactionary because I was just trying to put something out immediately because that's just, 
the life I was living at that time. But I've really trained myself to give myself at least 24 hours before making a decision. As long as it's not like super urgent that like, you know, we have to decide like right now. But I think those 24 hours oftentimes like really helps me like confirm that I am 100% behind this decision. When before I would be like in one hour, I'd have the choice. And then five hours later, I'll be like, crap, why did I do that? (laughs) I know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Especially like at night, right? If you're like making, entering an email at night, you're like, what did I do that for? Exactly. I'm like, can I edit the email? Can I like take it back? But yeah, I actually have started even like sending texts and emails to myself, just kind of like writing everything out and then like taking it back like a few hours later and be like, am I still feeling this? And then like adjusting and writing. It's really, really helped me calm down a little bit. I can be like very hype. I can be very all of that. But I think it's important that I take those 24 hours before I make any choices. Yeah. Give me an example of that, of the text. I was going to say, read me your latest one. I know, right? You want the juicy deets. Yeah, yeah, if you want, if you want. But like, give me an example of that. I think, so, you know, during the build out, I had a lot of landlord issues that were kind of very surprising. And it's very frustrating. I think maybe other type A or dentists like really understand, but you try to like do all the legwork beforehand. You pay the lawyers, you do all this stuff. And so when a surprise kind of comes about and you're like, WTF, like we went through this prior to this. Why is this now coming up? And oh my gosh, it's costing me a lot of money. I remember there was a particular instance that was going to cost me an additional like 10K to my build out. And I was like not happy when I found out. I like immediately called my lawyer and was like, what is going on? We need to act. We've got to show who's boss and like all of that. And I remember I hung up that phone and I sent an email draft to myself being like, hey, Mr. Landlord, blah, 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 blah. Like saying like how exactly (laughs) I felt. You're Mr. Landlord. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to see a couple of patients. And then that was like about an hour or two afterwards. I went back to like my Mr. Landlord email and I was like, oh, Naomi, chill out. You sound like an absolute jerk. This is not going to get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think just like having just even that little bit of time and not pressing send right away. Ooh, thank God. I mean, listen, still turned out to be a situation. It wasn't like, because I took the time that the situation went away, but it was handled in a much better manner than I probably would have had I sent that email right in the moment. Yeah, man, that's really, really smart to do that. Yeah, and we'll discuss that. We'll talk about the additional, real quick, in like one sentence, what was the additional 10K for a landlord? Electric. We'll talk yeah. about that in the construction episode, but awesome, awesome, it's good to know. Yeah. So then in your vision, what type of patients do you, do you want to have? Is it all fee for service or like, what are you looking at? PPO? Um, I'm starting off PPO. I think, you know, unfortunately, insurance has been marketed in a way that it's good for the patient and stuff. And so I think it's initially the only way my name can really get in the community. And, you know, like right now, especially with like jobs being such turmoil, recession, all that stuff, I don't want to like lose out on patients just because of insurances. But my goal is to be fee for service while also offering like an in-house membership plan. You've already built out your in-house membership plan or not? Trying to. Right now, I'm trying to figure out what the right moves are with it. But it's definitely something I'm planning on offering within like a few months of opening. Do you plan to go with the company or you want to make your own? I think I want to make my own. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's that difficult to do it. I think, you know, like you create the dummy codes, you figure out like as long as you got like a system in place for it and you communicate that to your staff, I don't think it should be that complicated. Yeah. So why should I have a third party? 
take away extra money from me, which could be put back into the business. <laughs> <laughs> so taking money away from me. No, okay, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. And so how many operatories do you plan to have? Um, so I built out three open hygiene chairs and three hygiene rooms, but I'm going to say 2.5 ops because two of them are going to be the typical sort of op rooms. <laughs> but the other one, I'm really wanting to do like a three and under room slash a phrenectomy, lip tie, tongue tie sort of room. So yeah. you're, is that like a thing you want to specialize in? I think it's like a very good thing for me and my specialty to learn. Also, like just in terms of my location right across from me is like a pediatric therapy group that does myofunctional therapy. Oh, yeah. You know, just having that relationship with them and being able to offer that service, I think is also really important. I've also personally been very curious about it. Um, I wasn't trained a lot on it, so I just want to make sure I'm taking enough CE courses before I offer it. But I also love the idea of that room not just being for that. It would be like a room that's for the younger ones, like a baby room and all of that. Just so like the kids have like a different space. Um, so they're not so like freaked out by like, you know, all this newness and craziness that's in a typical like dental area. Yeah. So you haven't had enough CE. Like, have you had any training in that or no? Like, and if so, like what's where the one where you're like, this is where I'm going to dive in deeper with this doctor. So I've done like a lot of research. I've talked to like other dentists who have like done it and I figured out the course that I really want to do. Just like with COVID though, I wasn't able to move forward with like any in-person courses. So signing up for like an in-person one while also taking like an online CE course just to like try to get as much information as possible so I can figure out what my philosophy truly is and all of that. What's the course that you want to take? Um, the American Laser Study Club, I think is the one that I want to do in person. And then the other one is Dr. Baxter's. I think it's called Tongue Tie Academy. Mm. Yeah, I've heard like great things from like other pediatric dentists about it. And they're like always raving about it. So I'm planning on signing up the month before my build out just to kind of take my time with it. Yeah. Nice. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Right now, if you can, as much as you can without like, obviously we don't, I mean, if you have pictures, that'd be awesome. But like, what's the decoration and design look like? Oh, I love that question because that's like been such a big part of it. How do I say? Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hope so, but. Well, you know, I really wanted to create a place that I could call home. I'm going to be spending a lot of my time there. Um, but I also wanted it to be as relaxing as possible. Like I mentioned, like everything that I did from like design, patient interaction was all based for the kids. But obviously kids can be like a little bit chaotic. So I wanted to create as much of a relaxed environment as I could. So I did a lot of calm neutrals, like as my base, the walls are a particular cream color. I did chocolate brown, like ceilings. But then I did like pops of color from my branding for like the excitement. So like my door frames have pops of green painted on the frame. Um, the lights above my desk are like blue and orange. The textures, tile, like on my front desk. Um, I just felt like it was like a good way to commit to like a kid friendly design without going crazy and having to live in like Disneyland every day for 10 plus years. So I guess like I just wanted to be soft, soft and comfortable and colorful. <laughs> if you were to give us like a specific business or place, you're like, this is how I wanted the feel to look like, right? You know, some people are like, I want to look like Starbucks or like Ikea. Oh God, you're going to hate me for this answer, but I didn't want to look like anyone else. <laughs> It's a good answer. I love other brands, but like I'm trying to create my own. I think at the end of the day, I wanted to come back to the foundation and it really came down to Portugal. Like once again, it's full of texture. It's full of color. 
Um, but it's done in like a very balanced way. And that's what I really wanted to blend. I wanted to blend like textures. I wanted to blend like the architecture. Like I think I sent you a photo. Mm-hmm. I have like an L-shaped full tile front desk. The lights that are above that desk are a cool stone color. Um, the wooden floors, all of it are different textures that then I can like pull out colors from. So that's what I loved about Portugal was the texture. So I brought that into the space. So inspiration, Portugal, right? Like that's what motivated yeah. you. Yeah. The, the design. Awesome. That's really yeah. good. Okay. So then right now at the beginning, how many people are going to be on your team? Only one to start with. Um, I'm going to do a front desk girl who's also going to help out with assisting. She has training in both areas. Um, but I do think that it's going to be important probably within a month to start looking for an assistant. But initially when the doors are opening, I'm only going to have one person. Okay. Six months from now, what do you think or how, what would be best case scenario for production and collection for you? Six months. Oh, geez. I'm just going to speak like 12 months from like opening date. Yeah. I think it would be such goals. Like I would be so amazed at myself if I was able to produce like 800 to a mil. Like I would be like, whoa, tap on the back. I'm pretty proud of that. And then being able to collect 95% of that. That would be like epic. We gotta, you got to make that happen. <laughs> no, I know. But listen, listen, like it could happen. You never yeah. know. But I mm-hmm. think a big part of it is just trying to get people in through the door. Word of mouth is so big in Pete's. Everyone wants their kid to be taken care of like a certain way and people will do anything for their kids. So like once you're able to prove yourself, it, you'll be surprised by like what six months can kind of do. Yeah. Like once those three calls come, like people are like, oh, I told you, I want you to see my son or, oh, I told my friend about you. Oh, like I heard about this. Like, once your name is kind of put out in the community, I think it could be kind of surprising the growth that can happen. And at that period, let's just say you do reach like 800 to a mil. How much do you want to pay yourself? I actually am very comfortable with my associate salary. So like if I can just keep that, I would be happy. Obviously, if I make more, great. But my goal is to put as much as I can back into the business, at least for the first like 12 months. So I am going to be working another associate job like while I'm doing all oh. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's no other what's, way. What's your uh, associate salary? I think it ranges, right? Between like 200 to 250 usually for working like a few days a week. I think it's just speaking like for like, you or are you speaking like it just in general? I think in general. Oh, I'm talking about I, you. That's like change. Oh, for me, oh, I would yeah. probably say closer to 250-ish. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. heck yeah, I'd pay myself, but you know, I'm talking yeah. about like, I'd be like, I did this, I'm, you know? Have you ever seen Snoop Dogg's speech? No. He's like, I want to thank myself. For doing this, I want to thank so like same thing. Like well, I had no idea it was Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Snoop Dogg is hilarious. But um, that's good. Interesting. What would yeah, be your ideal? That well, that salary comes out with like four days, right? Like yeah. four to five days. That's where the struggle is right now. So I'm going to be having to work almost like two days a week at least just to get the bills paid on my end for a little bit of time. But if I can make that in my office, I would be like tap in the back. Yeah, you will. You will. Right now. What's your ideal overhead percentage? Honestly, like probably 40%. I just think like, you know, dentistry is so high on overhead. But if I can keep it 40%, the one good thing about peds is that it's repetitive in terms of like the same types of procedures, the same types of like all that stuff. So I don't need like 20 crazy materials. I don't need like all the newest, latest technology all the time. But I'm just hoping like with the material costs and like everything kind of going up, I can keep it in the 40s. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe. That's like something I think we have to kind of always look back on and keep an eye on, right? Because I can like, yeah. I can slip like super easy, you know? Oh, so easy. It's like, I think right now as I'm going through these last seven 
weeks, everything's like, oh, here's the internet bill. Oh, this is going to be an additional 35 a month. Oh, this is going to be this. This is going to be that. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, oh God, I have no idea what I'm signing off on. <laughs> so once that first like month comes along, I'm going to be like, oh, just kidding. Got to like, nix yeah, it. just kidding. Uh, You're all making like, is the free trial over? Oh my God, I got to cancel. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. No, I get you. Um, let's just say 12 months from now, you are, you, you're hitting the numbers. Overhead percentage is not that bad. Um, paying yourself. You decide to like take back a day, right? Or take back two days. You're working four, maybe three um, in a couple of years. What do you plan to do with those extra days? I mean, honestly, be a CEO. I don't think that you can just open up an office and give yourself half a day a week to be a CEO. If you want that practice, like consistently innovate, think of new marketing strategies, think of new ways to like offer better experiences for the patient. You have to get back into the business. And that unfortunately in our field comes in time. So if I can cut down on my clinical days and the office is doing well, I would love to be able to give myself that time to like build out the brand. Okay. I like that. And if you can yeah. think of one word that your practice brings you, what would it be? Comfort. Oh, comfort. Yeah. 100% comfort. I think Why? like, I think because I'm really trusting what I'm creating. And when I walk into like my build out space, like every week, that's genuinely what I feel. Like I just feel like at peace and at home. And I like internally just know I'm doing the right thing. It just feels like very safe and comfortable. And I mean, do, do you feel like maybe for a while... You were missing comfort or lacked it? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think when you're a part-time associate, especially like in a city like New York, it can just be so chaotic. And as an associate, you don't really have a lot of control. And I think it can affect the care that you give. It can affect the experience. And that's just, you know, what you take on as an associate. But it was so important for me for the experience that I was creating to have that, not just for me, but for my patients and staff it feels good to like know that I'm creating that. And that's what I'm feeling when I'm entering. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you were like floating a lot and you're just like, what is that thing? The pinball machine, pinball machine, right? Where it's kind of like you, you're just being, and you wanted, I guess more like comfort and security kind of thing, right? Where yeah. you're like, I have to make this on my own because you're kind of creating your own type of comfort, I guess, right? Yeah, I think in the city um, or in with most people I talk to here, they all seem to say it's not very stable. Like you could just be let go for like no reason. Um, you have to see what's in front of you, even if you don't agree with it. It comes with a toll sometimes and you just don't know like what the next day is going to be, what next month is going to be. And I think me opening up an office is giving me at least that front of that part. Like that part is going to be taken care of now. Yeah. Do you feel like this has also came all the way back from when your parents were always out your mom was not there for like until the one weekend right do you feel like you you'd be like I need where's comfort you know possibly I never really thought about it that way but you're always trying to feel stable and I think taking away like little denty and all that stuff one of the things I really struggled with like after graduating residency I'm not married I don't have kids I could choose wherever I wanted to go and it was the first time in my life that I was able to make that choice because school always dictated what, what my next step was and where I was going to be, I really struggled with the idea of stability after graduating because I just didn't know what where home was. I was like, is it New York? It could be LA, it could be somewhere rural, like for a little bit of time. Like I just didn't know what home really felt like because I didn't want to go back to Poconosa. I just knew as much as I loved growing up there, that's by no means where I wanted to like live. And so I think when I made the choice to open up Little Denty, it was almost making that decision of I, I decided on a home. 
this is this is it. And so it felt good to like kind of make that choice. But it's also why it took such a long time because I wanted to make sure that it was something I truly wanted to call. Yeah. It's almost like some people are like, dang, Naomi's traveling everywhere. She's doing all these things. And you feel like, oh, man, like this is great. You're getting creative, all these things. But there's a part of you where you're like, I need a routine a little bit. Like, or I need I need a corner. I need a place of home. You know what I mean? Not not like a mansion or anything, but like, you know what I mean? Just that how you felt. Yeah, I think so. I think looking back on it, I mean, I definitely wanted to enjoy life just because so many of my friends were doing that while we were in school and I was in residency and I wanted to catch up, I guess. But I think you're absolutely spot on with like the routine not being there, that home not being there. And now it's it's being built out. So I'm happy. Awesome. <laughs> so then what struggles or bad habits are in your way right now that you feel you would need to remove if you wanted to reach out to your ultimate vision? Ooh, um... I think it's about not needing to be in control or allowing myself to delegate tasks. And I'm sure other startup owners can like attest to this, but you're really putting yourself in this process. As you know, from my story, a lot of me is in every single part of this journey um, from like the name, the branding, the decisions I'm making. And it becomes your baby. Like this vision is yours and it's hard to let someone else take care of your baby. Um, But I'm trying to really teach myself how to communicate my vision and how to communicate the pillars of what little denti is so that someone else can take it. It makes taking it off my hands like a little bit easier, but it is a struggle. Even right now, as I'm thinking about the tasks of what my front desk girl's going to be doing, I'm like, ooh, no, I'll enter the fee schedule for the um, insurances. And I'm like, no, Naomi, stop. Like, <laughs> someone else can, can do it. Like, you can do one so you know how to do it yourself, but like, let them take over. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That can be a struggle, especially since it's yours. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Like totally. You're the only one. What are the pillars of little Denti? Ooh. I mean, hands down, like first things first, like comfort. I'll always use that word. Like that was a very, very important part of like the brand colors, the decisions, um, design process, everything, innovation or creativity. I think it's about taking dentistry and twisting it a little bit. Um, which I'll share like later on, but like my goals for like the social media and the marketing and like all that stuff. Um, that was like really important to me. And it's a big part of me as well, just like as a person. So I'm excited to kind of bring that about in the office. Um, leadership, definitely. I think that's like a really important one, not just for myself, but for my team. I want people coming on board who also want to take those steps. And I also want to be able to be that in the community as well. So those are our top three ones. I like that. I never heard of that. Twisting dentistry. This is going to be interesting. Naomi, one of the last questions is, right now, what phase are you currently in? Two weeks from ending my build out, most likely. The IT guys just came in. We're just waiting on like little touches here and there so we can get the inspector in. So we're not too far out from everything opening. <laughs> oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. Stay calm. Okay. It's going to be, it's going to be good. And then... I know I said the last question, but what help or questions do you have for the listeners? Maybe they can reach out to you and help you or anything like that, if you have any. Ooh, I think I would love to hear how people created relationships with other local businesses. It's one thing to like, I know, reach out and like do all of that, the ground marketing and all of that. I get that. But I was going to say, are you talking about ground marketing? Because uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know I'm talking to the king himself, but no. more so like 
how did you form the relationships, get to know people on like such a personal basis, like people that you trusted sending your patients to and all that stuff? I'm just curious because, you know, as I'm starting to do that stuff, I'm getting things like left and right. And I'm just curious about how people like kind of made their choices. And I would love to hear that journey for them. Awesome. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for this episode. And then we haven't practiced this at all. So it's going to be on here on the first episode. Naomi, every time I'm always going to say Naomi sign us out because you get the last word. So Naomi, sign us out. All right, guys. Peace out. This is the making of Little Denti. Little Denti.